Hi, and welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I am here again with my wife, Natasha Mason. Hello, hello. And we are glad to be back with you on this special episode. This episode is about Acts chapter 3. This is a special Bible study that we're doing. Um, If you've listened to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, hopefully you are caught up. Uh, Natasha, do you know exactly where we are in the story? Mm. (laughs) It's it's interesting that uh, you would giggle there. So we do take a week uh, in between these these studies, and it gives me a little bit of time to read and to research and to things like that. So we've come out of Acts chapter 1 and 2. We've gone through uh, Christ's ascension into heaven. Um, We've gone into the day of Pentecost and uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles and disciples of Jesus as they waited in Jerusalem as they were told to do so. So now we come upon Acts chapter 3 and we're going to pick it up from there and uh, verse 1, we're going to look at probably verse 1 to, uh, we'll just start there, we'll do what we normally do and we'll pause in between. So go ahead. Starting in verse 1, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. All right, so we come to this this passage um, where Peter has gone up. They've gone up to the temple to pray. It was the hour of prayer. It's traditionally held by the Jews that they would pray um, three different times of the day. There were three different hours that they would pray, and I believe it was um, 9, 12, and 3. Um, so this would have been the ninth hour of the day, which would have been 3 PM. Yes. This is the 3 PM prayer. So they've come up at 3 PM in the afternoon. They're heading to the temple and they see a lame man laid by the gate, which is called beautiful. So there are many gates to the temple. Um, and this was the beautiful gate and he would lay at the gate and he would beg for alms and people had seen him there quite frequently. We'll read that here shortly in the rest of the scripture. Um, the, this chapter really deals with what's going on right here. And there's a little bit of depth to, um, this story that goes beyond the surface level of what we're reading. Um, for a moment, I would like you to think in the spiritual uh, aspect of this scripture as we have a um, a clear story here, but I understand that a lot of the, the Bible is allegory and has, has different uh, metaphorical meanings and things like that. So if you were to look at the uh, at what had just happened, that the uh, disciples had received the Holy Spirit and the Word of God into them, and they've come up here to pray, um, you could look at a couple different representations here. Um, you could say that the temple it would be a representation of what? Heaven. Yes, very good. So the temple could represent heaven. Um, the gate would be that entrance into heaven. Uh, the man who's laid at the gate is, what's wrong with him? He can't walk. Right. Um, so he has a physical illness, a physical sickness in him that he um, he can't take care of him of his own. He can't do it himself. Um, and so what does he seek to do? He, what does he ask him for? Alms. 
Right. He's looking for silver and gold. He's looking for money to feed himself or whatever it is, but he can't heal the sickness that's in him. So the, the money and the things won't actually heal him and give him the ability to go into the temple. That's why he's laid at the gate. He can't go in because he's, he's, uh, he's lame. So uh, in the spiritual aspect of what's going on here, you see a couple different representations that the um, Peter is going to say, if silver and gold have a none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So he's basically saying, I don't have, uh, you don't really need the money. The money's not what you need. And I don't have that anyway. But what I do have is the word of the Lord is Jesus of Nazareth who can, who can heal you. And so in this instance, what we see here is a picture of, um, the lame man is, is basically us, um, from the time that we're born, we're sinners and we're undone without God. And many of us in our lives, uh, seek to fill those voids and fill those holes in our heart with different things. We're looking for the material things. We're looking for the, the pleasurable things. We're looking for the things we're looking to the world and saying, alms, I need something. Give me something. I, I need something. I can't make it through today. I'm hurting right now. I'm really in bad shape. I, I'm hurting right now. And, uh, the world is happy to hand people, um, whatever they want. I mean, if you, if you need drugs or you need, uh, alcohol or you need, um, some kind of, uh, sexual gratification, whatever it is, the world is happy to hand that to you. And, uh, because they know that you're, you're going to be an addict, right? You're, you're going to get hooked and you're going to have to come back and you're going to lay there and you're going to beg every day. Cause that's what this man was doing you for a while, but right. So that's what this man is doing. And everybody around him also knows that he's lame and we'll see that. Um, so he, here we are, we see this state, this man is really us and, and he's laid at the gate. He can't enter in of his own uh, strength and willpower because he doesn't have the ability to do so. And he's begging for something to help fill his heart and fill that void in his life. Maybe give him a little something to eat, which to us would be, we're, we're looking for those pleasures and those sins. So the disciples here are representing, um, really the Lord and, and the word of God, and they're bringing Yeshua Jesus to him. And they're, they're saying in this, that we don't have those things that are going to, you're going to keep begging for. We have what you need. And Jesus often said this about himself. He said he was the living water. He is the bread of life. And he says, if you drink of me, you'll thirst no more. And so that's what they're offering this man here. So I, sometimes you got to remember when you're looking at the scripture that there's a little bit more in the broad picture than what you're actually seeing. Um, because really this is a story of healing. And we say, well, this man received something from the, from Peter and, uh, oh, wow, that's great. He got healed, but we could broadly easily miss the broader story of what is really kind of occurring here and what this means. Why is this even in the Bible? Jesus healed plenty of peoples. Uh, the disciples healed plenty of people. Why is this one story in there? So I think that's probably um, the direction that the story is, is meant to speak to us on that level. So we'll continue on from there. Okay, continuing in verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood... And walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened upon him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on this, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, 
and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. All right, so we'll stop there for a second. So you have the the story is now he's received, he's uh, taken him by the right hand, which is uh, important because I think that's Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. It's that symbol of strength. So he takes him by the right hand and he, he raises him up and his feet and his ankles receive strength right away, straightway. And then what does he do? Now that he's received the healing um, that he so desperately needed, what's the first thing he does after that? He leapt up. And he went into the temple. Into the temple. So he's received this healing authority in Jesus' name, um, and now he has access into the temple. Um, and so when he goes in, this is really interesting. He goes into the temple. So uh, there's a couple different. Um, we me and Natasha talked about this yesterday. We'll probably do a podcast about the temple. Um, there's a couple different temples that existed, but this is the temple of Herod. Um, Herod had built onto the temple of Zerubbabel, which is I probably just messed his name all up. Um, but anyway, he added on different courts and different things. Things like that. Well, on one side, on the eastern side of the temple, there was this um, group of pillars. If you think of uh, the ancient Greek pillars, the columns, the big columns, um, and it was it was just like a long hallway. It was called a colonnade, and it was really uh, Solomon's porch, is what they referred to it as. And uh, so he comes into he comes into this long column hallway um, that's open on both sides to to the elements or whatever and uh, all the Jews are in there and they're all standing out there and they see him coming um, and th- another good example that this man represents us is because he's not named it just says the lame man everyone knew the lame man um, and that so it's a representation of us so he goes in there and he's praising the Lord right so uh, one of the things you find uh, a believer a new believer in Christ who got saved he doesn't have a lot of um, biblical understanding but he has a lot of zeal and joy because he knows what he's just been forgiven of. It's it's the uh, the criminal who was taken to court and was set free um, and found innocent because someone else took his place or someone else, you know, it's that idea. And so he, here he is and he is just bounding with joy and he's rejoicing in the Lord and he's proclaiming, look at this, look at me, you know, look at what's done. And these men are standing here and they're just like, what is going on, you know? Um, so the other thing that I find really interesting here too is you're going to find through this passage through the, the book of Acts is that uh, Peter, and Paul specifically, um, they uh, they approach the kinsmen, their 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 kin or the Jewish people, um, from the idea of historical context, right? So they always go back to the historical context. So when when he goes to talk about what happened to this man, he could have easily just jumped to Jesus did this, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the you know speaking the word, it was able to do this. But instead, he goes all the way back. He says, brothers, father Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. You know, he's he's laying foundation foundation to say that Jesus is the descendant of all our forefathers. And each one of you who is here respects these men because they are the founders of Israel. They're the founders of the Jew, you know? So he's really, he's really digging back into, um, the history of the Jewish people. And, and honestly, I think just real quick side note here is if we, as uh, believers, if we're non-Jewish believers and we're Christians and we want to convert them, the only way you're going to do that is to take them back to history. You're not going to convince most Jewish people that Jesus, as he's known as uh, the blonde haired, blue eyed guy that we see on the wall, you're not going to convince them that that's their Messiah because when they look at him, they don't see him as a Jew. They don't see him that way. So what you have to do is you have to take them back to the forefathers. You have to take them back to the prophet Isaiah. You have to take them back to the old Testament. You have to take them to the book of Micah where it talks about him being born in Bethlehem. You have to take them backwards to Torah to prove to them who Yeshua, 
the Jewish man was. And that Jewish man is the son of God whom they need. And so this is, and, and people could argue that, that I'm not right on this, but you see this. Paul does this later, and Peter is doing the exact same thing right, right now. He's taking them back. And he's also going to lay something else at their feet too. So let's go ahead and read on. Oh, my phone. <laughs> She's reading off her phone. I usually print them out, but I forgot to print the, the scripture out this time. Okay, so in verse 14, But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in, in his name hath made this man strong. All right, Paul's right there. So this is really important. This is this is another key verse that people need to understand. He just said something. What healed this man? Can you say it? Read it one more time. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong. So there he says twice in his name. He says twice, but he says through his faith. He didn't say through his obedience. He didn't say through an act of kindness or doing good works. He didn't say any of that. He said this man was made strong because of his faith in the name of Jesus. And this is, this is the thing that saves you. It is your faith in who Jesus is. It is not the good works that you do. It is not your doctrine or your church or your ideology. It is faith in Christ alone. And that's what was able to heal this man because he heard them speaking of Yeshua. He knew that it was true and he believed. And when he believed, he received the healing that he needed. Continue on. I'll just start in 16 again. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong. Whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. All right, so we'll pause there so we make that verse a little bit clearer. So what he's talking about is that they had uh, handed Jesus over to be crucified, and they requested uh, the prisoner to be set free, right? Right. Um, and in this verse, he says, I, I wot that ye... I quote this, this is the King I want James. That through ignorance he did it, right. as did also your rulers. So he's saying you did you, you handed over Christ out of ignorance. That's what he's saying to him. He's saying, I, I realize that you did this out of your own ignorance, not understanding that he was Messiah. So that's what he's talking about. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Okay, so we got three things in that verse. So he's saying that they had to repent, so there would be a blotting out of sins. There is a season of refreshing that is coming. And then he's talking about the coming of Jesus, that the Lord would send him back, right? So we have three things that are occurring here. And again, we're still in this period. Um, we're still in the, you need to repent from your sins so that God will blot them out. You also need to receive the season of refreshing, which is really the, um, the re reviving of the spirit, right? So it's the season of, it's uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you, you receive this fresh life, this it's a it's a it's a long thing. I mean, as a Christian, we're not immediately um, 
our life is full of sorrow and joy and all these things, and we have the season of refreshing of the Spirit. So we're still in that. And then we're still waiting for the third part of that verse, which was the coming of Jesus. And so it's it's interesting. He's telling them, number one, uh, repent. He doesn't say again. He never says turn and do good works. He says repent of your sins. And so that, be converted. And be converted. So that's, you know, that is salvation. Repent of your sins and be converted. How do they do that? They do what the man did in the two verses before, where he, by faith, believed and he received. You're always going to hear me say that. It's always by faith. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear the, that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. All right, so there's this, this restoration of all things in verse 21 that he is talking about. Um, so he's, he's telling them that, that, that God is going to do this restoration of all things, which he had mentioned and he had told by the prophets, Samuel and all of them, he's going to do this. And so when you go back and you look at that, he talks, uh, you go all the way back to father Abraham and, and God's promise to him that his seed was be as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea, that they would be uncountable, that they will bless every nation on the earth. The restoration also that Israel was taken away by Babylon. They were taken away and dispersed into all the nations during the diaspora and they're brought back into. And so when God, when he's talking about the, and this is interesting again, because Peter doesn't understand yet the, the need for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. He still thinks it is strictly a Jewish gospel that Yeshua, the Mashiach, um, is the Jewish Messiah and that, that they as a people are what God is calling back. But even here in his own words, he is prophesying, uh, he's really repeating prophecy, um, that the restoration of all things that God was going to make right with all mankind, um, He's going to make right with all who would believe uh, that relationship that uh, was perfected through Christ. Uh, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall be the kindreds of the earth, shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Yeah, so we've got this we again, he's hitting them back and he's saying you are, you know, the children of Abraham and you are the kinsmen, you are the brethren of the the Messiah that you crucified. And and it's it's fascinating because he's saying he's giving them the idea to the ability to say, yeah, we did that and we didn't know who he was. We did that and we didn't realize what we were doing. Um, we did that because we were whatever, you know, they were angry or jealous or they didn't like what he preached or they were motivated by the uh, Sanhedrin or they're motivated by the, the high priest Caiaphas or whatever it was. He's giving them the idea to say to themselves, yes, me, 
I did call for his crucifixion, but I did it in ignorance. And I am a child of Abraham. And, and the prophets did prophesy that Messiah would come this way. And, and Isaiah, he did say that he would be wounded for our transgressions. And so he's given a, he's really speaking to his brethren because he's trying to um, convert them. He's trying to get them to understand who Jesus was and what it meant to the Jews. Because the scripture says that salvation came to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And we really see that here in Jerusalem. Um, there's this growing, uh, it starts to spread in the next following chapters that the gospel starts to spread through Jerusalem. We read about them going door to door or they, they've gotten saved and now they're going home to home and they're eating and they're breaking bread and they're praising the Lord and they're spreading the gospel. And so um, I think the idea is that we get somewhere along, I don't know where they come from in our churchiology, if you would call it that, um, that the Jews rejected Christ outright. Um, and that they, you know, they never accepted They crucified him, him and then yeah. they had nothing else to do right. with him. That's the idea that I think most people are, are given when they're, I don't know where it like comes from. Like the disciples and the apostles weren't Jewish. Right. And so what we see here in the first couple chapters of Acts is that the gospel went out to the Jews first and they accepted, a large portion of them accepted the gospel. And because they accepted the gospel, that's how it got to the Gentiles. Because at one point in Jerusalem, they would stop accepting. And the ones who did believe had to flee. They had to leave Jerusalem. So those Jews took the gospel out of Jerusalem and went into other areas of the nations and of the world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, Acts chapter 3 is really interesting, really cool. Uh, a couple things there I would encourage you if you want to uh, get into some back study. Like I said, we're going to start looking, probably do a podcast on the temple, um, uh, you know, the temple of Solomon, Zerubbabel, and Herod. Um, a couple different, there's some uh, diagrams online you can look at. There's still, there's still some gates in Jerusalem that are there. Um, they believe the beautiful gate is still there. It's sealed up. Um, at the Eastern gate, they, they're still a little bit of dispute over what's what, but there's still, there's still a gate there. Um, so some of these things are still exist in archeology span today. Uh, people who tend to say, you know, um, there's a lot of people who said the Bible is written by other men and it's not, it's not accurate. And Jesus didn't exist. The problem is, is the historical, um, the historical roots of Jerusalem, the archeology, span the, um, the artifacts that they continue to find, uh, all support this biblical narrative that this occurred. Um, we also know that, uh, the, here Peter is, this is a really important point here. Peter is in the temple and he's preaching Yeshua, Jesus crucified. Um, and if this were not the case, if he were lying, they would have put him to death because he's in the temple and he's preaching that Jesus was Messiah. Um, and so they would have put him to death on the spot, honestly, if they hadn't done it. Uh, but we don't see that. We see the Jews standing here listening and taking in what he says. So um, this is Acts chapter 3. Catch back up next week uh, with Acts chapter 4, and we will continue to uh, look at some of the historical sides of this and kind of uh, try and unravel and unwind some of the things going on in the book of Acts because it's really interesting. It, it just kind of continues to pick up. Um, I can't wait for when Saul, uh, later known as Paul, uh, Rab Shaul, um, in Hebrew, it comes onto the scene because it really takes a, a pretty cool turn, and there's some really unexpected things there that you're going to learn that you thought you knew about Paul that you didn't know, and they're actually in the scriptures. So it'll be really great. Uh, we hope you are enjoying this study um, of the book of Acts, and we ask that you just continue to listen. Please share this with your friends and family, um, and we will be glad to continue on. Um, outside of that, well, we'll catch you next time. Bye.